Our scripture today is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I love that passage of Scripture, and in just about every Bible I own, because I read through different translations, in just about every Bible I own, I've written in the margin, considering all that I've been forgiven, what do to me that I could not forgive? The passage is really about forgiveness, but it's also a powerful testimony about the danger of debt. Because in both cases, in the cases of both men, they had a debt that they could not pay. Debt is a problem, a severe problem in our world today. Too many Christians are loaded down with debt. I've been preaching about mammon is a mean master. I have talked about the misconception that life really consists of the things that you own, that that is what is important in life. And I can tell you, if you have that philosophy, you are probably already in trouble with debt. Now, I was looking for Samantha. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Samantha said that she enjoyed our little thing about you might be a redneck if. And do you remember what I made you do that day? Uh, every time that this is, is like wheel of fortune, okay? So when you see the answers, I need you to clap. Now, if you don't clap, it's a clear indication that what I'm saying or what's on screen is about you, okay? <laughs> And so you better clap when you see you might be, you might have a debt problem if your balance on your credit cards keep rising instead of steadily decreasing. Can we have a... 
Yeah, can you identify with that? You might have a debt problem if you have never owned a paid-off car. I had a neighbor when I was in my first pastorate who every time, I mean, that guy traded cars all the time. Larry, he never, a friend of his said, that guy will never own his own car. He'll always have a car payment. And maybe you've swallowed the lie that having a car payment is just a part of life, and it will be for the rest of your life. Can, can we get an applause for that? Some of you are not applauding. That means you're taking it personally, right? <clears throat> you might have a debt problem. If you'll never live, you know you will never live long enough to pay off the mortgage on your home. Can we get an applause for that? Some of you are not very enthusiastic, I can tell. I, 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 okay, ladies, this is not aimed at you, I promise. Oh, wait a minute, I just said it was, didn't I, by saying that. You might have a debt problem if you've never walked out of the store without buying something. And all the men applauded. That also means auto parts stores, man. Hardware stores, tool shops. You might have a debt problem if you start feeling faint if Amazon has not dropped a box at your door in the past week. <laughs> right, Shelly? <laughs> We're talking about of debt because debt is the enemy of a committed Christian life. It really is. It is a plague. It is demonic. Now, I taught my children that credit cards are of the devil. The trouble is, they believe me. And a few years ago, they say, Dad, we can't get a loan on a car because we paid off our car a long time ago and we just keep driving it and driving it till it falls down in the road. And it did. And because they'd never had a credit card, they couldn't get a loan. They didn't have a credit reference. So I had to loan them the money and Charge them plenty of interest, I mean, <laughs> not really, but, but then I taught, I had to teach them how to use credit cards to their benefit by paying off the balance every single month and building their credit record. The problem is the statistics on debt in the United States Revolving debt, that means you did not pay off your credit card. Revolving debt is on average $6,000 per family, per family that has revolving debt. Home mortgage in the United States, for those who have them, is an average of $208,000. This is the one that blew my mind. By the way, these statistics are for 2021. 
The average debt per family for those who have car auto debt is $29,000. That's a lot of money to owe on vehicles. But that's the average for those who have it. For those who have student loans, their average student loan debt is $59,000. The monthly interest for those who have these loans is $1,029. Now that's not just credit card debt, that's total debt on all of this. $1,000 a month. Some people are paying their tithe to the banks and the credit card companies and the mortgage company. Total household debt. Now this is everybody who has debt. Total household debt in the United States in 2021 was one and a half trillion dollars. That is a big, big number. So how do we get there? How do people end up with $6,000 on their credit cards, and that's a running balance. That's, that's not just a purchase. That's Somebody said, if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep could be your downfall. I like that. If your in, outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep could be your downfall. I love the video. I'll confess, if you're mad about the video, be mad at me. I'm the one that chose that. I love it. If you don't have money, don't buy it. I didn't get, Joe, I didn't get a single amen. I got a lot of head nods, but I didn't get a single amen. If you don't have money, don't buy it. If you know you're not going to have money to pay off the credit card at the end of the month, don't put it on your credit card. Pay off your credit card at the end of every month and your life will be much more peaceful. Why do we have excessive debt? Well, for one thing, using debt for normal living expenses. That's food, clothing, and months, monthly bills. Listen, debt is not normal. It's not how God intended for us to live. In Deuteronomy 28, in giving the law, Moses said, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that He is giving you. Jonathan, is our nation high above the other nations today? Uh, the rest of that verse, by the way, says, You will loan to them, and they will not loan to you. Is our nation high above the other nations today? It is not. Our national debt is a shame, and we ought to elect officials that will do something about it. That's not necessarily just political. That is practical, and it is what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Lord will send rain at the proper time for His richest treasure in the heavens, and will bless all the work you do. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. Amen. Causes for excessive debt. Number two, using debt for vacations, cruises, entertainment, 
and eating out. Um, somebody, when I first moved to Faith in North Little Rock 20 years ago, we're going to celebrate that tonight. Somebody jokingly said to me, when my wife says dinner is served, it means get in the car. In other words, we're going to a restaurant. If you eat out all the time, Proverbs says those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Oh, we can't afford to take a vacation. Oh, but there's money left on our credit card. You know, I had a, a fellow missionary move back to the field in Kenya, and we were talking about all the stuff, Jamie, that was in his container, and some of the things that he had bought. Um, and I just made mention of that. Wow, you did great during your deputation. He says, yeah, but just before we left, we found $3,000 that we didn't know we had. And so we're able to buy some of this stuff. And I thought, how do you not know you've got $3,000? What? Found $3,000 we didn't know we had. You know what he meant? He meant that there was $3,000 left on his credit card in credit, money that he could borrow from the credit card company, and every other card was maxed out, but Larry had one card that was not maxed out, and he spent the last $3,000 on his credit limit. I didn't want to tell him, Leah, that if all he had to do, to, uh, maybe your dad doesn't want me to tell you this, <clears throat> all he had to do to get more was call the credit card company and say, I need an extra $6,000 of credit, and they would have given it to him, and he would have spent it. I can't afford it, but I can borrow it on my credit card. Yeah, well, repayment day is coming. Buying more car are cars than needed. You ever heard the term being upside down in your car? It, Adam, it doesn't mean a car accident. It means you owe more on the car than the car is worth. And there are a whole lot of people who are upside down in their car. That is excessive debt. And then it says, Proverbs 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Jerry, that means every salesman gets his foot in the door. You have no control. You have no sense of delayed gratification. And a salesman shows up at your door all the time. Now, I don't have time for this, but it may be the only movie reference I get in today. So here you go. I, I love the movie Secondhand Lines. How many of you have seen that movie? It's... It's a golden age movie. It really is. And I absolutely love it. But it, if you've ever watched the deleted scenes from that movie, you know, if you get it on DVD, actually, you can get the deleted scenes. If you ever watched the deleted scenes, did you ever wonder, those of you who've seen the movie, why the salesman keeps showing up? I mean, they get chased away with shotguns with birdshot. Okay, or rat shot, I don't know, but no salesman in the crowd. Any salesman in the crowd would have laughed when I said rat shot, but that, that's all right. 
You ever wonder why they keep showing up? In a deleted scene, the other brother, the tall, white-haired, he's he's shown in the kitchen, Todd, cutting out coupons that you mail off to salesmen and say, I'm interested in this. (laughs) The reason they keep showing up is because he wants his brother to have something to do for amusement. And so he keeps drawing the salesman to show up in front of the house and his brother gets to shoot at him with rat shot. Person without self-control. Buying more house than is realistic. The size of our houses has changed drastically from when I was growing up. Buying more house than is realistic. I'm not saying you can't afford the big house you're in, but just be sure you can afford it before you buy it. Better to be an ordinary person with a servant than to be self-important but have no food. Isn't it amazing how practical the Proverbs are? Uh, Proverbs is a textbook on boundaries. And then maybe the largest reason for excessive debt is not anticipating emergencies. James said, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. That is not anticipating emergencies. Have an emergency fund. What was it the guy said, where do, you, where do we get this so-called saved money? Well, you, you save it. We, the old saying used to be, save for a rainy day. Some folks never expect it to rain, and it's going to. Someday, there's going to be emergency, and you need to prepare for it. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools spend whatever they get. And then number six is clickbait. Easy credit and a shopping addiction. If you have trouble keeping control of your credit card, first thing you do is take your credit card number off of Amazon. Because they have a button, Roger, that says buy. You don't have to put in any information, just buy now. Because you've already given them your credit card number. And if you're having trouble with your credit cards, your first step is to take your credit card number off of all the online accounts where all you have to do is click to buy it. It's clickbait. If, if you're carrying it with you and you're forever using it, um, somebody has suggested that you put your credit card in a jar or or in a plastic container of water and put it in the freezer. And it will become a block of ice. And if you decide you want to buy something, Mike, you have to at least wait till it thaws out before you can use your credit card. That gives you some help with your self-control. Clickbait, shopping addiction. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by desire. 
control your credit card spending. And then, number seven, and I'll quit and actually preach my sermon. You do realize that all this is introduction, right? Nancy just gave me a sad face. <laughs> Keeping up with the Joneses. It's hard to keep up with the Joneses when they keep buying things I can't afford. I no amens to this sermon. I can see it down. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. By the way, donkey in that day was a Ferrari, just in case you, you wondered. Five evils. My sermon to you today is five evils of the demon of debt. And according to the clock, I have seven minutes to preach it. So hang on. Debt is a slave maker. Debt is a slave maker. When you go into debt, you become enslaved to the person from whom you've borrowed the money. Proverbs 22, 7, just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Proverbs eleven six. the godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people traps them. Debt is a trap. Don't fall into it. You become enslaved. You become beholden. You've lost your freedom when you get into debt. And I can tell you there is a blessed freedom when you become debt-free. Let that become your ambition. Uh, I'll pick on Brenda. Don't have time, but I'll do this. In 1978, we think, it was either 76, 77, 78, a pastor, Don, from Miami, Grace in Miami, Florida, did a conference. He had been reading the brand new, at that time, Larry Burkett material. And he did a conference at our school, uh, a Southeastern Bible Conference, on becoming debt-free. And that had been an argument between us for our three or four years of marriage at that point, five. And she came home and said, we need to become debt-free. After she picked me off, up off the floor, Casey, I said, let's do it. And by the grace of God, we have been debt-free for many years. And it is a wonderful feeling of freedom to become debt-free. The Bible makes it clear that the demon of debt is a slave maker. You need to realize that. Debt is a life stressor. I should have gotten 50 amens to that. Debt is a life stressor. The Bible says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want, because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want it only 
You want only what will give you pleasure. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Listen, money is the most common cause for disagreements in marriage. If I were really mean, I would say, everybody who's ever had an argument in your marriage about money, raise your hands. I don't have to have you do that. I already know. Because we've been married for 51 years. So I already know. Listen, debt is a life stressor. Can I get an amen? It, it causes stress and worry. How are we going to pay that bill? I say, become debt free. And you say, how can I ever do that? I don't see how it's possible. But I'm telling you, it is. Number three, debt is a budget breaker. Say, we don't have a budget. That's why you need this sermon. I'm serious. We don't have a budget. That's why you need this sermon. Because if you don't have a budget, you will automatically fall into debt. But debt is a budget breaker. It will break the plans that you have. It will, an old saying of a friend of mine, it will suck your cork under. Now, if you've never fished, you don't have an, any idea what that means. But it will break your budget. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever. That means everything they get. The secret to becoming debt-free is quit spending more than you make. Amen? Quit spending more than you make. In fact, if you're going to become debt-free, you're going to have to quit spending every single penny you get. Number four, debt is a generosity killer. Debt is a generosity killer. God expects us to give freely and become more wealthy. Or be stingy and lose everything. Which do you think God wants us to do? Be, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Listen, I, people have said a, a few, nobody said it to me. I, you know, I get it secondhand. When is Brother Lynn going to quit talking about the tithe? This will be the only word I say about the tithe in this whole sermon. It's not just about tithing. It's about being under the foot of mammon. Being a slave to mammon and mammon is a mean master. Don't give your tithe to the credit card company in your interest payments. One of the benefits of becoming debt free is you can be more generous to those who need it not just your church, but to others. Because you don't have interest payments to make. Number five, debt is an obedience barrier. Debt is an obedience barrier. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is telling a parable about the king who was giving a banquet. He said, but they all began to make excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. You see, 
as a missionary counselor, talking with people who say God's calling me to the mission field, far too many times people have said to God's calling me, but I can't go. I have too much debt. I will not be able to pay off my debts from the mission field. When somebody says that, I say, don't underestimate what God can do. But if you're buried in debt, if you've dug a hole for yourself, quit digging. Answer God. Never let the demon of debt keep you from serving God. Now, Walter said on this next slide, I have to sing it. Sorry, Walter, I am not. Some of you will remember the Tennessee Ernie Ford song, 16 Tons. Any, any of you remember that? Uh, Don, you just told your age. St. Peter, don't you call me, because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Who owns your soul? You say, I do. Nope. You do not. And if you own your soul, you're headed for hell. You see, Jesus paid for your soul. He bought you. And He wants to set you free from debt. He wants to set you free from sin. He wants you to be free. He died for you. So that you could receive Him. That you could be saved. That you could receive the gift of everlasting life. He's paid the price for your sins. It's, it's like someone stepped down. This didn't happen. Maybe it would happen to you. It's like somebody stepped down and, and said, like in the passage... He forgave him a million dollars, just like that. What if that man had said, I won't accept that. I'm not going to allow you to pay my debt. That's exactly what somebody does, refuses to receive the gift of eternal life, refuses to believe in Christ as the Son of God. You say, does anybody really do that? Every Sunday I preach. Every Sunday in every church and every nation in the world, when the gospel is preached, there are people who walk in lost, and some of them walk out still lost. But praise God, occasionally, somebody realizes, I'm headed to hell, and I can't do a thing about it. But Jesus can. Some preacher just preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ and they realize that their sin debt is paid and they come to Christ. They kneel at an altar. They kneel in the pastor's office and they cry out in repentance and faith. God gives them the gift of eternal life for which He has already paid. You think I'm preaching this series because I want your money. God wants your heart. And so do I.
And if he has your heart, he won't have to worry about your money. So to whom do you belong? Who do you belong to? Todd, I talked about you last Sunday. That revival you preached. The man who said, the lady who said she had never forgotten that you asked them, who do you belong to? Who has your heart? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm not worried about your treasure. I'm worried about your heart. Some of you need to turn your heart over to Jesus today. You say, well, I've already been saved. Yeah, but does He really have your heart, soul, lock, stock, and barrel? Does He have all of you? Some of us need to go back again to the altar and say, Lord, here's everything. Everything I am. Everything I ever will be. Not only is it yours, I am yours. I give myself to Thee. Let's stand by our heads. It may be that you are one of those this morning who needs to be saved. This altar is open. Would you be the one today who would find forgiveness and cleansing and salvation? Would you come to the altar, meet with Jesus? It may be that you have felt convicted because of the debt that you carry. You have the opportunity today to do what Brenda and I did many years ago. That is to make a commitment to God. Not just to each other, but a commitment to God to get your debt under control. That is a reasonable response to the message today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because that didn't work very well last week. I asked people who were troubled, had trouble with greed to raise their hands. There should have been a hundred hands raised and nobody dared raise their hands. One guy came to me after the service and said, I wanted to raise my hand and I just was ashamed to do it. You may be ashamed today to admit that you have a debt problem. Make a commitment to God. The first step in, in getting out of debt is to realize you've got a problem with it. It's not normal life. And it's not what God wants for you. Would you make a commitment to God this morning to work on your debt? To become free so you can be generous so that you can serve God freely so that you can get rid of some of the stress in your life and in your marriage father I thank you for your word and how practical it is help us to apply it to our lives help us to be who you want us to be help us to live to please you in Jesus' name, amen.